This is Critical Nonsense, our high lowbrow show about culture, science, and tech. This week, Joey asks us about sourcing criticism. Ah, yeah, yeah, it's Joey. This is what a Joey sounds like. The Aaron of wine comes crashing through the headlights of a podcast. That was the, I, I this is it. what an Aaron sounds like. I loved every like. single second of it. <laughs> and here is an executive producer and third eye, very visible, Jess Vander. Hi, this is Jess. Woo. Um, we're doing a lightning round because we lost something in the can, so I'm moving right into it. Let's go fast. Bang, 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 bang. Um, you guys. Hey. That's what Emerson uh-huh. says all the... Hey, guys. Emerson says that all the time. <laughs> so cute. Um, I saw something yesterday or the day before, and I was like, is this one of those like fake internet things? And so I went and dug back into it, and apparently one of the presidents and CEOs of uh, Sony. I'm pulling up his name just so I don't get it wrong, but I can't find it now. Of course, Natch. Um, Here it is. Uh, One of the presidents and CEOs of Sony, Norio Oga, I apologize if pronouncing that wrong, has a sort of... Uh, let's call it lore around being a young person training to be an opera singer who had qualms with Sony's recording equipment and quality of their products and wrote critical letters to senior members of the company, then not even called Sony. And as a result of being a staunch critic of the company, was brought in, paid to be critical of their products, and then ultimately became the head of the company and saw them through probably their most successful era ever. And it made me think about where are you sourcing your criticism? I don't know why this takes me immediately to the problem with reviews these days. But these days but then again it makes perfect sense right like kids these days no okay but you know what i mean where online reviews have become untrustworthy because you can't tell if they are real and by real we usually mean like critical enough to be helpful to other people um or whether they're incentivized in some other way to not be critical for example a place down the street from us is a it's a new restaurant And we opened it up and it looked like they have 37 five-star reviews. And I was like, no way. They must be doing a promotion. (laughs) They must be doing a promotion. And or they had like a friends and family opening where all of those people got like a free app for leaving a five-star review. Because I just don't, you know what I'm saying? Like there has to, you have to be sourcing your criticism productively for people to be able to trust. Yes. There, there was someone on the Plain English podcast recently talking about Disney's like rise and fall in quotes, but they were talking about the movie reviews on how the studios evaluate. And they said Disney had like in a certain time, like 21 of 23 new releases get an A minus or better. 
which puts it in the top 50%. And I was like, oh, these grades mm. are useless. Like, Simply unhelpful inflation. This is wild. I mean, okay, so to be honest too, I know that your question, now I'm understanding the question is about like, criti- like critics, like content. Because I was thinking about like all the critics in my head of what I do as a human also being. Also fair. Um, I, I mean, I was thinking of like this person helped transform Sony because they were being critical in an era where people internally were not potentially able for cultural reasons to be critical of their own company. And so just by being the person that was like, this doesn't make sense or this doesn't look good or this doesn't work well, we should do something better. All of a sudden they became like a huge asset. We've talked in the past about how like leaders that have what they call, I, I can't remember the exact term, but effectively it is like a reality anchor of someone in your life. So even if you're like the CEO of a Fortune 100 company, but you have like your mother or your partner or your like someone in your life that's like, actually, you kind of suck and you were wrong there. Fun fact, Andy Jassy, now the CEO of Amazon, got his start by being a brain double to Jeff Bezos for, to basically be like, hey, did you see this? Mm. Or like basically a sounding board to double check and or speak their mind, um, who's like seeing all the same things and hopefully you know, being that gut check, which is so interesting because I feel like more often than not being critical has a lot of these other trappings that are like either negatively associated just flat out or like that a criticism floating on its own is not per se productive. And so it's interesting that the premise of this question assumes that criticism is productive because I feel like Mm. certainly that is not always the case. Yes, we've talked about this. I think we did a whole episode maybe about the bit like the the like uh, and maybe this is more about ca- or not this, but that was more about like candor and intent and how much that colors yes. whether or not something is received a certain way. But I do think that like I have brought this book up a few times because I, you know, I've read four books because I've read so four reference them ad nauseum. <laughs> a whole four. And this reminds one of them me was of not one of the four the books. <laughs> yes. Dan Gilbert. Stumbling on happiness. I bring it up at least once a year alongside a few others. But the whole like the 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 conceit of the book is like what how can you predict happiness? Like he's a he's a um I believe a sociologist at Harvard who studies happiness and like what are indicators or predictors of happiness. And the sort of punchline of the whole thing is that in order to predict your happiness, you try to find someone who is as similar to you as possible. Like let's say you're trying to get a new job. You try to find somebody who has as much of a similar background as you and get their perspective. So the more similar to someone is who is giving you that feedback is more likely to be indicative of what of how happy you will be with the outcome of that decision. Mm. And it reminds me as well of an NPR podcast that was speaking about reviews. And it had this like super, super hot take that we should. I think it was NPR. I think it'll be in the show notes. We should get rid of all movie reviews or get rid of all trailers, excuse me, uh, because trailers never are going to be any sort of indicator of whether Mm -hmm. or not you're going to like a movie personally. And on top of that, reviews can be really challenging because like what you like and what you don't like is fully subjective. And so weirdly enough, their suggestion there is find a reviewer who rates things in the same way that you rate them and then follow that one reviewer. 
don't do the Metacritic thing. Don't do the like, oh, the New York Times, A.O. Scott, you know, love you, love you, love you. Find your person who sees things the way that you do and you will have a better indica- like uh, indicator of whether or not you like it. And the only reason that I bring this up, I know this is very long winded, but is I do think that when it comes to outsourcing create uh, criticism, you create some space for yourself. But I think that it's different than fielding your own criticism, sourcing your own criticism, and actually finding those that are going to help you or hurt you, um, depending on the mood that you're in, uh, to change to change behavior. But Jess, what's, what's well? It's so on? interesting you're bringing this up because I feel like in many ways is you know what you're sort of uh, suggesting, or at least the way I'm hearing it is, um, you know criticisms that are productive are ones that are most immediately or at least pass through a filter that might seem relevant to you when at the same time like a diversity of perspectives and criticisms theoretically should also be productive the question is whether it's possible to pass that through a filter of a filter of understanding <laughs> to to mm-hmm. translate it to something that you could understand so for instance like uh I was looking at reviews of mattresses. This is like a perfect example of this, I feel like, of people being like, this mattress, there are three scales of this particular mattress. There's plush, medium, and firm. And if you go through the reviews, there are countless, it's warring factions out there, folks. Some people are like, it's far, this is the firmest mattress I have ever slept on before. And other people are like, this is the best sleep I've gotten in my life. And I just, it just feels like that the, the thing that is relevant here is that there are collecting all of these many diverse perspectives is useful to a point. But if you can't translate that for your own, like, what is it that you're looking to accomplish? What is the kind of mattress that mm. you are looking for? It, it sort of just becomes noise. Yeah, the, that's sort of what I was thinking about, too, as Aaron was talking as well, like, what you're you're both hinting at is like what or not hinting you're like coming at from different angles is like what's your motivation yeah (laughs) right right. like in the case of Mm -hmm. in the case of sony it like as a corporation it was like growth and success and so the sourcing of the criticism in that way to like create product improvement and diversification of the portfolio and and whatever like having that critical critical eye accomplished a thing in the case of like something that is for you individually to purchase, right? Like consensus opinions to, I think both of your points are not really relevant. Well, if it's, if, mm-hmm. if you know something about yourself versus, right? Like that's what the, these aggregated reviews are just like normalizations. But if right. you know that you have a unique perspective about something, whether it's food or whether it's a mattress, like I, love the plushest mattress or I love the firmest mattress, then you want to narrow in where you're sourcing that. But that is like, that is seeking, seeking, um, uh, input for a decision versus seeking criticism for growth. And maybe I think what I'm realizing is that my question was almost like so broad because they're like, the the sources in which you would be seeking criticism can be so varied. This is true. Though, uh, if you wanted to get the normalized average 
perspective, I still think that is helpful as a benchmark, regardless of where you sit personally or what it is that you are seeking or motivated by. That can be really relevant information, for instance, when you're shoe shopping, if you're like me. I know that I have an, a wider than average foot. And so if the average person is like, these shoes are too narrow, I know for sure that is not going to, that's not mm. going to cut it. Right. But mm. it's true. Like how to get after the specificity that is relevant to the most people. I mean, this is why having someone contextualize as much as possible in an online review, for example, is like, I don't know about you, but when I'm scrolling through like Google reviews or something like that, I'm looking for someone who didn't just say, this was the best. I'm looking for someone being like, it had an interesting smell and <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it went away after three days. <laughs> like the, whatever it is, the, that, you know, you can form your own opinions about it that way. I mean, th two things. Number one, you know my I my Amazon rule: never look at five star or one star reviews. Only look at three star reviews. Doesn't matter what the product is. Three star is always going to give you more information. Like it smelled funny, or this was good, or this was yeah. bad. Yeah, it's so, it is always always the, useful. The the gummy bear, the infamous gummy. <laughs> exactly, bear. exactly. Wait, can you please ex uh, share more about the gummy bear you, review? You rem you remember there was that uh, that. Um, it's escaping me what the fuck. Her Haribo sugar-free sugar gummy bears. <laughs> sugar-free mm -hmm. gummy bears, which uh, seem to have a very unfortunate negative side effect of making people have explosive diarrhea. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and that wasn't mm -hmm. the intention? There I were, thought that was well, so always. <laughs> it was What's our value proposition? <laughs> yes. Unexpected yes. diarrhea. <laughs> Laxative candy. But the second thing, I'm gl I love that we got to poop this fast. Um... <laughs> The other thing that it brings me to, though, is when it comes to they weren't glad about it. Is <laughs> that's true? Is the um? I always talk about the imaginary bench of everyone in my life who it's literally like uh, bleachers that sit in the back of my head, and they serve two jobs or two functions. One is to give me advice on how to tackle a problem, and it's like, oh, how would this person do it? How would that person do it? The other, which is you know. Uh, revolving door of uh, of productive and not productive is like how are they critiquing me in the moment to make me better and I think that that like when it comes just to answer your question directly to Joey about like where do I source crit criticism from um, I, I think I absorb it from anywhere like it all goes <laughs> in and it all it cuts too deep yep. but then I think that there's this different group that then like decides um great is this now going to get wielded internally like constantly is this now going to be a drum beat that like pops up in similar situations in the future and like who are the avatars that are like kind of associated with that and i think it's as i keep on saying it's productive and not productive it's productive because you don't have to have somebody keep telling you stop doing the same problem again and again but i think that sometimes uh, those who have a relationship with anxiety and or a simple proclivity to overcorrect over time can find themselves creating new problems they don't have bleacher members for to help with. Right. Maybe another way of saying this could be like those that share your motivations but can provide a different perspective. Mm. And this guy who got hired to Sony and flew up the ranks was like, 
I also want this to be good for different reasons, but I, I mm. also want this to be good and it's failing me. And I can tell you mm -hmm. that. And if someone else is capable of keeping an open mind to hearing a different perspective, it can be like, hey, we're both trying to do the same thing here. And that's like all clinical psychology advice ever provided to anyone ever. Yeah, I mean, it, True. it's as we get to a close here, I mean, I think it's interesting of like where where do you welcome it? You know, like for me, there's nothing I can do about my like physical appearance. I'm not really super interested in in like critique of my physical appearance. You know, I'm rocking with what I'm rocking with. Uh, but, you know, I think I broadly like have a self-critical eye and then I'm like, I'm not looking to bring in too much external criticism because I'm like sensitive to it or or whatever but I, I i think this has made me realize like maybe i need to uh seek out in a more calculated way opportunities for criticism or sources of criticism in order to grow because you know i think i have like a growth orientation but maybe a little bit too much of like sit in your little bubble and and just like keep chugging along and trying to grow um i don't know what to do with that but you know here we are does that um um you know i was doing my hair last night and i reached into my drawer and look at that i found my silk wrap Jess, would you like to take us north in this wrap-up corner? Well, how did you get that ham sandwich from all the way over there? <laughs> long walk. Long walk for a ham sandwich. Um, if you're ever looking for sort of a source of criticism, you can contact us at criticalnonsense at sylvain.co and we will, we will happily provide it to you because we always have thoughts. And Joey, you know where to find me <laughs> if you're looking for personal criticism. <laughs> you can count on me. When I brought this topic up in our chat uh, and the question of like, where do you source criticism? Jess was like, from me, right? That's, you get it from me. That's where you get your criticism. And I was like, yeah, not no. Like, not no. Critical Nonsense is a Sylvain production. Brought to you by... Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> As always, we'd like to thank executive producer and uh, Julio down by the schoolyard, Jess Vander. And we also must thank uh, sound engineer and truly the man who makes all criticisms feel like soft baby cheeks, Alex Contel. Um, we'd like to thank our programming coordinator and bridge over troubled water, Les Jacobs. Uh, and you know what? The dynamic duo of uh, Kelly, Michelle, Nora Mestrich, and Zara, who are not only the original four members of Destiny's Child, but also <laughs> the folks who help make this podcast run. Thank you for your production help. And as always, thank you, Alain. We won't call you Al. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid but i loved it <laughs> we're just getting simon and garfunkel jokes in here at the end because why not you can critique this if you'd like you can send us that email special thanks to simon and garfunkel 
you know what? That captures all of my special thanks. So that's all I got. Well, see you when you see ya. Love bye. you, mean it, bye. Bye. I'm recording. I am recording, and it is actually recording. Aaron, are you recording and actually recording? Yes. Is it actually recording? Yes.